Hey everyone, Clay here. Uh, this episode should be the birds, but I had been doing a bit of traveling and so we needed a little bit of buffer time. So <clears throat> instead we're putting out a Patreon episode that we did, uh, I thought, only last year, but apparently this is from 2020. So uh, this is an intro to the intro, which is now horribly out of date. Um, the We'll be doing Attack the Block. The rating we talk about in the intro says that it is number 90 on our list. It is currently number 93, so it's a bit of a throwback to some of those list shenanigans. But yeah, this is me, Amanda, and Wes talking about Attack the Block. And uh, enjoy a bit of a trip down the COVID memory lane, because this is from... December of 2020, so we were all right in the thick of that fun stuff. So uh, enjoy, and we will be back next time with Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Thanks, guys. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off of Rotten Tomatoes' 200 best horror movies of all time list. My name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm okay, how are you doing? I'm doing good, bruv. Today we are talking about (laughs) a science fiction horror film from 2011 called Attack the Block and uh, we had actually recorded this conversation with uh wes from our parent umbrella corporation the penske file for a patreon episode a while back and uh so we're going to throw it to that after we do our usual intros but uh yeah this is uh, attack the block from it's different because we we did the have we seen this before and the other thing so i don't want to i don't want to yeah redo yeah. it so <laughs> let's just take a break we'll go to the trailer and then we'll cover all the other stuff Believe it, when I landed in the wrong place, though, you get the wrong place. <laughs> well, lads, you discovered a species hitherto unknown to science. He kicked his head in. <laughs> Yo, check it. More. More what? Them things. Lovely fireworks. Mum, it's an invasion. Of course it is. I'm killing them. I'm killing them straight. Let's get tall up, blood. They're quite sweet, really, aren't they? That looks triple the size, but... Right now, I feel like going home, locking my door, and playing FIFA. What were those things? I think you're probably aliens. What kind of alien would invade some council estate in South London? One that's looking for a fight. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? 
about the driving. I'm getting lessons for Christmas. Whoa! Got no credit. Got one text left. This is too much madness to explain in one text. We have to call the police. You'd be better off calling the Ghostbusters, love. What's wrong with you, man? You got a tool. Jesus, he looks about six. I'm nine and a half. <laughs> we need to get off the streets. Back in the block. <laughs> Oi, this is safe. Good luck. All right, attack the block from 2011, number 90. On our Rotten Tomatoes, 90, yeah, 200 best horror movies list, 90, 90, with this, a... This list is insane. <laughs> with a, I'm sorry. And that's not to say that this is a bad movie, because it's really not, but it's just like, come on, you know, if you're, if you're doing yeah, the shining you, you, test, you know. Yeah, we need to stop looking at this list holistically. Yes, yeah. It just doesn't work. It's number 90 with a 90% Rotten Tomatoes score. It's directed by Joe Cornish, written by Joe Cornish, starring John Boyega, Jodie Whittaker, Nick Frost, and Cockney, 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 which is a joke you will hear again when we throw it to the other podcast <laughs> recording. Uh, Amanda, what happens in Attack the Block? South London teenagers defend their neighborhood from malevolent extraterrestrials. Okay, okay I guess that covers it, yeah. <laughs> Not much else to say beyond that. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, but uh, Clay, some things you'll find in this movie include Mm -hmm. teeth. Triumphant return of teeth. Glowing teeth in this one, a lot of them. Glowing teeth. Uh, Aggressive onomatopoeia. (laughs) Very aggressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deadly extraterrestrial mating rituals. Which is pretty gross when you think about it, but... As you said, yeah, love is a battlefield. Yeah, really. Yeah. I yeah, Ugh. Uh, questionable uncling, mm-hmm. and of course, no wait, questionable neighboring. Mm-hmm. I I guess there's some questionable parenting in this too. I think so. I mean, who knows what these kids? They, yeah. These parents don't know where their children are, <laughs> and it's past ten o'clock. Yeah. But yeah, so um, we're going to throw it over now to our previously recorded uh, coverage of Attack the Block with Wes. And uh, thanks. We will, we will talk to you soon. Hello, Penske patrons. We are here with our December Patreon podcast content where we will be covering Attack the Block, uh, which is, what is a random selection off of the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, how many, is it like 65 greatest or something, Wes? 150. What's the, 62 is Christmas. It's 150 for they, they couldn't get more than 62 <laughs> for Christmas. But um, We're doing Attack the Block, um, and since this is a crossover with Rotten Horror Picture Show, because Attack the Block is also on Rotten Horror Picture Show's list, we have Amanda with us. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Not too bad. Good, good. Getting ready for Christmas. You guys all all set for for Christmas at home this year. I'm, I'm. Thanksgiving went better than we thought it would, so I'm not I'm not totally upset about not having a Christmas. That's not a lot of family and stuff. Um, <laughs> we're seeing have them gotten, in like 
limited capacity before the holiday, just like meeting outside to exchange gifts and stuff. But it's really nothing more than like sharing a sandwich, uh, hopefully mm. while the weather is 40 degrees and not raining. Have you <laughs> gotten to the point that the WWE has gotten to where they stopped running their house shows and they were like, this is actually great. We make more money if we don't go anywhere. <laughs> if you don't spend anything, the money you're bringing in seems like a lot more. I think that's the, yeah. the lesson we're all learning in COVID. Yep. Just yeah. don't spend anything. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything. And hopefully your job is secure enough where you don't lose your income and you're going to be okay at that point. Right. And then you just fire the people who are below you. Exactly. Yeah. Clay, bad news. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is Clay's last Patreon exclusive. <laughs> like how Clay yeah, gets cut I know. before I do. Well, you, well we I'm talked more about expensive. This. Yeah. yeah. He's... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of uh, sticking sticking to your home, that's a bad segue. We're talking about Attack the Block, which is a 2011 sci-fi film. Uh, it takes place in England, and there's uh, aliens that come down and attack a... How would you describe it? It's, it's a block of apartments, right? Yeah, it's a project. Project, yeah. yeah. Project housing. It's, it's, stu- it's the inner city versus outer space, as it says on the, on the tagline. Ooh, oh that's wow a good tagline, i missed actually. that <laughs> and it's directed by joe cornish written by joe cornish starring john boyega jody whittaker nick frost and cockney 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 i don't actually think it's actual cockney but it's the only thing i know it's actually south london dialect but yeah yeah they, they have some weird term for it it's called like cultural london multi multicultural london english is what it's called oh okay yeah had wow, um, where, where did that come from i don't know that seems like a really <laughs> recent development that that would come around it's a socioactive english that emerged in the late 20th century it's spoken authentically by mainly young working class people in london that does sound like a modern uh phrase to place on something that a hundred years ago would have been referred to as like twart yeah or something <laughs> you know or it's, it's a bonnet twart it's, it, you know, it's it's like the London version of Ebonics, basically. They just kind of dressed it up with a very academic-sounding title, and they're like, this, I guess Ebonics was academic when it first came out, too, but it's like that yeah. kind of a thing. It's just an evolution of yeah. that. <laughs> they turned on that one I pretty quick. can just say slang. Right. It's, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> slang. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this is where we're talking about, Amanda. There's too much education now. People are like, this is, slang is no good. This is a multicultural, universal set of dialectics that are used to communicate things between people. <laughs> But can we ever really communicate between people, Wes? No, unfortunately not. This Maybe this movie does more to heal the divide than anything else. Not till everyone oh starts speaking toward. Um, now, um, Amanda, had you had you seen this one before? Well, it's also a horror movie, right? You have to you have to say it's a sci-fi comedy horror movie, which is yeah. why it's on the run yeah. horror picture show list as well. Yeah, it's. Yes. Um, I I think we can probably get into that a little bit later. What which which aisle it spends more time in which column it, mm. it, it, it uh, takes more it takes up more space in um had mm. you seen this before amanda i had yeah this this was my i feel like i maybe saw it i definitely watched it with like full attention at least once mm-hmm. i feel like maybe i had seen it before that in like bits and pieces but yeah this was probably my like say second and a half mm-hmm. time watching this oh that's movie. right because we actually watched this like eight months ago in our mm-hmm. quarantine movie watch group so that's mm-hmm. i forgot about that uh what about you wes had you seen it before no never heard of it never seen it before this is my first time oh. watching you it. had never heard of it really okay. yeah never heard of it wow um so what but i came guys, away from your... it saying this john boyega he's going places that's <laughs> 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 well this it's... guy, he's, he's just got something doesn't he 
it's really it's really funny because uh, three of the cast members of this went on to be fairly large genre presences. You've got Jodie Whittaker, who ended up as the Doctor on Doctor Who, and John Boyega, who was, uh, of course, Finn in Star Wars. And the kid who plays Dennis is, uh, he was on Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash as Firestorm. And uh, then you've got one of the other ones who I believe was in a movie called Strippers vs. Vampires. No, sorry, Werewolves. Mm-hmm. So I guess you can't win them all. <laughs> I know that movie. Yeah, obviously. I don't know. That, that sounds like a win to me. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Wes, what was your what's your first impression of this one? Um, this is a movie that some it's the kind of movie that sometimes falls into these lists that I we we stumble into where uh, having never heard of it and not particularly known anything about it, and it's I what's it what number is it on the horror list? It is number ninety, which is high, very high. Yes, so it's low on the sci-fi list it's like a hundred and interesting four yeah. or something 105 mm-hmm. um i i guess my, my general impression of it was it's a movie that is on all these lists it has like seven different genres on it and i don't know if it does any of them well really <laughs> to the to the point where i don't know if i it didn't really grab me as a movie and mm-hmm. i think it's because it doesn't particularly do anything well except for i think its direction is really good i think it's well directed mm-hmm. but it's one of those movies it's just like it's on these lists it randomly came up and as i was watching it, it was like i'm not going to remember that i hope we record this soon because i'm not going to remember it in a week um right and that's yeah. basically my general takeaway and i'm honestly surprised that so many of the contemporary reviews were like john boyega this guy's doing stuff because i it didn't stick out to me really as anything mm-hmm. special, but and th- that's my general sense of the movie. It's just it's a whole bunch of stuff thrown together together, and it, none of it particularly excels in any way. Well, well, that's what I found interesting about it because I remember the first time we watched it, uh, I don't know, six months ago or so. In the back of my head, I remember when this came out, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, Attack the Block! You got to see Attack the Block. It's so good. It's so good. You got to see it. And so I was really looking forward to, to it, going into it the first time. And I was kind of underwhelmed by it. Um, this time around, I think I liked it a bit more because I, I generally knew what the thrust of the story was and where it was going. And so it, it was a lot more fun this time than it was me trying to uh, justify the legion of positive reviews when it came out. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the but, horror moments. You're like, when is there going to be a horror moment in this movie? Yeah, it seems like mm. it's just horror because there's a monster in it. But, there's three uh, jump scares, I think, and that yeah, classifies yeah. it as a horror movie. But uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of just like it's a very simple story. It's about as simple of a story as you can get where it's aliens attack this housing project and the people involved have to survive. And um, I think why John Boyega stands out or stood out to people is because he manages to do a lot with pretty much nothing yeah. because he spends the entire time just sort of like staring intensely off camera yeah and glowering at things yeah he kind of he kind of conveys this sense of conflict even though he has very few lines in the movie which is kind of impressive um what what were your thoughts manda this time around yeah i i think i had a kind of similar reaction where i i liked it a little bit more this time I think partially because I had an easier time, like, 
remembering and distinguishing the kids, the the, the mm. boys from each other. Mm-hmm. Like I, I sort of already knew which which role each one of them was going to play, and I I was less like, wait a minute, where are they? Because there's a couple like scenes where they kind of split up and then they come back together, and it gets kind of confusing about you're like, wait. All right, who was on the bicycle and who was on the moped right. and who ended up in the dumpster and, and like which one is where? And this time, because I remembered all of them from last time, I think I could pay more attention to sort of both like the the the, the funnier kind of throwaway lines that the, that the boys did have with each other. Mm. Um, and also I could pay a little bit more attention to the sort of like meta themes that this movie is like really trying to hammer home which interestingly i feel like i kind of missed the first time i watched this and then this time i felt like they were like smacking me in the face with them like, and like i was what? kind of you well, you like, missed like, you obvious... missed uh, the the black people have been killing each other long enough and now whitey wants to speed up the process from john boyega that's, <laughs> that's my, that's my yes. favorite line well i mean so so i definitely i i got that the first time I watched this movie, obviously, because they say it very overtly. Mm. Um, but I missed some of the, like, the more subtle things about, like, like for instance, the whole character of, I think his name is Bruce. The nerdy, oh, the sure. nerdy white yes. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there, there's, there's so much, there's so much about him and his character that it's like, oh, you're this, like, upper middle class kind of, like, you have your almost posh accent. You're like very overeducated and you're, you're pretty much just coming here to like slum it for fun to get your weed and you're driving your dad's fancy car. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole um, exchange where he says to the drug dealer, um, Oh, well I I can't get busted again. And they were like, they're like, Oh, you got busted. What happened? He's like, Oh, well, you know, my dad realized I was smoking weed and he cut my allowance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and there, so there's like there was some stuff like that that I I hadn't really spotted before because I think I was so busy trying to be like, all right, it's it's a pretty big cast of characters when you think about it when mm. you add in all the peripheral like the girls and the cops or and all this the, and I think I spent so much time the first time around just trying to like map out in my head where everybody was at any given time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I lost out on some of that stuff. But, uh, come on, love. I don't know. Come on, love. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta pay attention, love. <laughs> if one more person was using the word bruv, I was just gonna lose my mind. You, Wes, you better back up or else you're gonna get murked. <laughs> my favorite Guys. thing. I hope I hope Kyle, our our one of our British listeners, is cringing very hard. <laughs> I I am sure they are. <laughs> I mean the funny thing about it is I can't um I can't tell if slang in other languages is more or less annoying to me than like if they were saying bra or something, mm-hmm. I, I find bruv more annoying to me, maybe because it's so novel that it, it like grates on me when I hear it. Mm-hmm. So I, the, 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 the funny thing about this movie is that the, the conversations, I was actually expecting to have more difficulty understanding what they were saying to mm. each other, but I don't really have any problem tracking what they're saying because like you were saying, Clay, I feel like they, I feel like they say the same five slang words over and over again. Right. They say fed, merc, mm. bruv, love, and in it. And that's like, those in are it, like the, the in end. It was driving me. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. And this is really stupid. But like I was processing in it. It's like, okay, in it is supposed to be 
isn't it, right? Yeah. It's like a shortening of that. But they don't use it explicitly for isn't it. They use it like in three different ways that grammatically, if you stretch it into isn't it, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, obviously it's slang. <laughs> it's very slang. Just how these yeah, things just go. The, it, it's and, really just yeah. like a placeholder at the end of a sentence. Yeah. You just kind of say it. Yeah. And I and I know I sound like an asshole from the colonies or something trying to break down the <laughs> grammatical accuracy of South London slang, but uh, you know from my from my position at Harvard uh, English School. But, to, but I, I think um, it, it speaks to a, hey hey watch it. it speaks oh yeah, to I a forgot bigger, that's where you're getting your master's from. <laughs> it speaks to a bigger. How come problem? you're not all over this, Amanda? I feel attacked, <laughs> Clay. I came here to have a good time, and now I feel attacked. To me, it speaks to a, okay, a bigger. Fam problem though it's that the um the kids here don't feel authentic to me and i think that's interesting a, okay because like i find the london in like Lockstock in two smoking barrels to be more authentic than this for <laughs> some reason and hmm. and i have i have a problem tracking what they're talking about because to me they feel more like they're authentically talking and it's not a scripted version of what this language is supposed to be sure and sure. I think it ties into more of my bigger problem with the the meta of it is that um, I feel like this movie exists just before the crest of like wokeness came around. And it, it seems mm -hmm. really green booky mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like it seems like this really strange <laughs> white guy's opinion about projects to me. Mm -hmm. And it's it doesn't like it, it feels like it, it came just before this huge change where i don't think a movie like this could really be made anymore not in america and not because it's like particularly mm. offensive or anything but it's because it's it's so um like white hollywood producer looking at something and writing a story mm. about it yeah and it's, it's really strange it's like Candyman. we had the exact same re re response to Candyman, which was this feels like and was a white guy who <laughs> went to Chicago and just l watched how things happened in Chicago in the in the uh, more poor sections of Chicago and then wrote a movie based around it. So it feels that way. This one, and, and that is essentially what the director and writer did for this, where he was like, I went to South London and I studied the kids who tried to mug. He actually got mugged. Yeah, he got mugged. I read that, yeah. yeah which oh was the God. genesis for the story. And then he was like, and then I learned about their lives and decided to write an awesome movie about it. Oh, my God. Um, but it's interesting because, I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just because I don't have any frame of reference for that kind of uh, culture. But I mm. didn't think they particularly felt too scripty. I, um, and I think, I think the thing that works the most about this movie isn't – and I think the thing why it garnered such a response isn't the sci-fi horror aspect of it. I think it's the setting because it's yeah. a fairly unique setting. You've got this housing project in South London. You've got these kids who are very specific kinds of characters you know, with a very specific dialect. They kind of have their own um, – well, they really the only existing community that you see because this is a housing project that seems to only have like 10 people who live in it. Um, <laughs> a real eclectic, a real eclectic mix like, of people. Where is everybody? Yeah, a real. It's um. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. If you if you want to finish your finish your well, thought. Well, you know, it's just it's just the it's. I think the setting of the particular story is the thing that was so novel, and I think the monsters are really fun and have a really mm. unique look to them, and are great low budget monsters where it's like we have this. They're really identifiable and. 
you could pick them out of a lineup of, of creatures in a way that I don't think you can in a lot of modern horror uh, monster sci-fi movies because uh, monster designs tend to be very samey these days. This is a very specific, fairly iconic look to them, uh, which is also very simple and works pretty well. But I think it's that stuff. I think it's the trappings of it more so than the story they're actually telling. Because, you know, Amanda, you're talking about um, the meta the meta themes and stuff that they're hammering home with you. I've been, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the process of writing the last chapter of my book. And so I'm thinking a lot about character arcs and stuff like this and heroes and whatnot. And I'm and I'm watching this and I'm and I'm looking at Moses and I'm thinking, man, Moses, it's really, Moses. <laughs> it's a, it's it's Amanda. It just made me laugh about it. you. Were like I missed some of the the themes early on. The the main character yeah. is Moses. <laughs> yeah, yes, he's Moses. Um, and I'm looking at Moses and I'm thinking, man, it's really ballsy to make the hero of your movie someone who's pretty explicitly bad, because. You know, they don't have a quote unquote save the cat moment for him early in the in the movie. He straight mm. up pulls a knife and mugs Jodie Whittaker and is fairly unapologetic <laughs> about it and is a fairly unapologetic kind of tough guy. But Boyega gives it that sense of of um, conflict in the stuff that he's not saying. So it, I, it they make yeah. it work. But I'm I'm looking at Moses. I'm thinking, what is like, what is this guy after? What is the, what is his character arc in this movie? And like, what's the theme they're trying to get across? And then at some point, Jodie Whittaker basically turns to the camera and goes, "You know, actions have consequences." And I was like, "Yeah." Is. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so I think I think that's the thing. Is like, it's really fun, and the monsters are cool, the setting is cool, the environment's cool. But like thematically, I don't think it's as and even like structurally, I don't think it's as as uh, uh, tight or engaging as it could be. Yeah, I just like there. There is one thing though that I, I wanted to kind of bat around a little bit with you guys, sure. which is, um, you know, talking about the sort of like the characters, uh, the the subculture, and how I think for for all of us it feels just a little like it doesn't really connect. Mm-hmm. I, I think one interesting thing is that like. I think the teenage boys, usually aside from Moses, actually, I think part of the reason their their slang and their behavior and all of that feels so kind of hokey is that they are kind of on purpose performing this attitude. That's true. And yeah, it's like this exaggerated way of speaking because there are a bunch of like 13, 14, 15 year old boys who are all trying to seem like tougher than they are. And like harder than they are, and they're they're imitating the older men and young men that they see around the block. Mm-hmm. So I think there is that sort of like they are actually putting on a performance for each other, which is why it doesn't feel that authentic when you watch them because they are sort of on purpose playing up these certain things about themselves. But yeah, that's a good point. Well, I I don't know if I would I don't know if this is a disagreement. I guess in in the context of mm-hmm. the movie there is no yeah. one who's not performing. So even their like hard drug dealer boss guy is a goofball, you know, like that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there's no one, there's no one in this that like the reason it seems like a white guy who drove in from West Hollywood is because there, there seems to be no sense of like actual danger in this project or like mm-hmm. bad life that they're living. Interestingly, 
all the kids seem to come from full homes. When they have that scene where except they go back and talk, and talk to their parents, except for Moses, but they all go back and talk to their parents in some of the scenes and are like, I'm going out with my friends and like come back for dinner or whatever. Right. And mm-hmm. so it, it seems like it's the, the point of view of the film is that the life in these kinds of her- housing situations is fake. You know what I mean? Like th- there's no, it, it's all kind of an act and that no one is actually in any kind of like downtrodden situation outside of these sort of strange uh, setups where you're mugging and then being forgiven and stuff like that. I just thought if you're going to, if you're going to have the theme be that, I think you, you suffer by making it a comedy film at the same time and not focusing mm-hmm. on the comedy of the situation and just kind of, turning it into a sci-fi comedy or horror comedy it just struck me mm. as really weird if you're going if you're going to approach this and use this as the setup it's very much like green book's magical negro problem where vigo mortensen <laughs> is just like well i spent a lot of time with this black guy i gotta tell you like not as bad as i thought <laughs> and it listen you don't have to throw me out my black friend said i could say the end it's fine <laughs> that, I, I know think he's my... not here to back me up on this but you should that's my big problem i think is that it doesn't it doesn't seem to be approaching the material in a way that is like really interesting like get out is interesting to me and that get out feels Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. something with an opinion that is kind of a fresh take on something this just feels like a kind of clownish attempt to put some modern theme onto a like in my opinion a fairly generic movie outside Mm -hmm. of that and yeah. I don't know. I'm. I, I probably sound harsher on this movie than I am because I kind of enjoyed watching it. But I, I walked away from it more surprised. It's the the curse of these lists. I, I walked away going, "Why is this on these <laughs> lists?" Basically, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. You know. Oh, so uh, go go ahead, Amanda. I I was just gonna say I I I I kind of want to quibble a little bit with the Wes your your the use of the word fake. Ooh yeah. Get him. Get no, him. no, you know. Are you I are you playing that guy's I, song? What's that guy's song? Oh my god! Yeah, hi hat song, hi-hat, which hi-hat was song. something. Yeah, yeah. Get the I don't get know. The gad, um, get the gear, kill the snitch or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. All those things. Hi, we're um, all white here, by the way. Yes, we're all very, very white. Um, not just so like you when could you, use when you said the word bounce lights on a film set if you wanted to. <laughs> Um, Wes, when you, when you said fake, I think like my, I, I had a similar, like, like a slightly adjacent take to it, to that, which is like, I feel like what this movie did was it tried to have its cake and eat it too in being like life in the projects is hard and things are scary and difficult for these young kids growing up. But then on the other hand, it's also trying to be like, but life in the projects is not the stereotype that, you know, lots of white people think it is where mm. it's, you know, minorities living in trash and just doing like drugs in the stairwell all night. It's like mm-hmm. there can be decent apartments and, you know, people keep their spaces clean and there can be good homes and good parents and they still have to grapple with these things. I just think the movie did a bad job of balancing those two desires to show both of those things and instead ends up just kind of negating both of them Hmm. yeah i um i i i think i I agree with what you're saying Wes. where if if it's if they are performative then i think what they need uh is they need the 
inverse of that. They need someone to sh- to show the audience mm. what the non-performative version of it is. Right. So, be, which should the, be hi hat. Uh, which should be the hi hat. Yeah. Right. Right. Hi hat should be legitimately a hard, uh, no nonsense. You know, gangster. Scary as the monsters term. in this. In, yes. To the kids. Yeah. 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 And I think. And I think that goes to where my confusion about the character motivations were coming from, because like not to open screenplay 101 on you guys or anything, but it's like I, I was watching this going like, what is what does Moses want? You know, what's because at the end of the movie, he's defeated the monster and he's in the back of the thing. And the movie ends with him acknowledging the fact that everybody's cheering for him. But I never threw the movie got the in, the feeling that what he was looking for was like respect or like uh to be viewed as like the king or anything like that or to be taken seriously uh, so it was i was he assumes kind of, hi-hat's mantle in that scene somewhat like he becomes he becomes the 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 hero of the project yeah no and i know what you mean it's, it never yeah, felt like, like he was, was going for that yeah, there was no direct thing that he was fighting. It didn't feel like to me. Maybe I'm just completely missing it. It didn't feel like to me that there was anything subtextual that he was fighting against. It was just he's fighting against monsters, like literal monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I... And I mean, my other... My, the, the ending scene, I agree with you, is strange like that. And I, I don't really track what he wants. It seems like he's more driven by someone has to do it. And he's the leader. So therefore, he mm-hmm. does all these things. It's also, you know, the, the, the green booky aspect of it is that it relies on the, the word of a white woman to save him at the end. Right. Well, it, yeah. it, 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 so mm-hmm. it's, this, it's this extremely... It's this extremely strange thing. It's just this old holdover in what has been a fairly rapid change. And him, like his lack of a point of view, I think, is the the problem of the the general point of view of the film and that it doesn't really know what it's talking about or why it's saying Mm -hmm. these things. So Moses is just kind of dragged along in that problem because he the writer and director of this does not know what a character like Moses would want to do. And mm. therefore, mm-hmm. he has a hard time putting that into that character, and it, it, it falls flat for me. Mm. Amanda, do you have anything to add? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, not. I, I I agree with that very much. Where it's and it's such a bummer because I do think John Boyega does more with that character than most actors could do. Um, but he's just given so little to work with, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I feel like every time I watch, (laughs) almost every time I watch movies, I think about what would this movie be like from, if a different character were the central character. Mm. Um, and this whole movie, this, especially this time watching it through, I was like, I wish this movie were about the girls. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. I feel like they would have been so much more fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Like if that's what you're going to go for, if you're, if, if, if like you know the more enjoyable parts of this are are kind of more the like sci-fi set pieces and and what have you mm-hmm. i would much rather watch those four girls kick alien ass instead i like the interaction yeah. between the the girls and guys group i thought that was the most realistic yeah. that the kids yes. ever were yeah. i thought that that was yes. a really good representation <laughs> of 14 and 15 year old uh, opposite sexes talking to each other you know mm-hmm. it's I, I wish you hadn't said the green book thing, Wes, because now I'm like looking back on the movie going like, yeah, it is kind of, it's a lot of like, 
white lady doesn't appreciate the conditions that the black kid is living in. And so once she finds out that he lives alone because his uncle is a ne'er do well, she's like, oh, I guess he's not all bad. Yep. And then, but I mean, like that 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 end scene is is it's not entirely that way. I don't think because I think her character is sort of on this journey of being accepted into the new place that she's lived in that she's you know afraid of because she got mugged and stuff but so like her covering for him is sort of her being part of the crew now sort of but even still it's like it does i i agree that i would also say i don't think it's a horrible version of what she no, does it's not end. it's mm. not that's not the point of the movie right you know it's yeah. not right it's not uh, the the real monster we fought here was racism. It's but it's it's the lack of Moses having. But it's, it's there. It's the lack it of is, Moses yeah. having a character that you can't focus yeah. on him at that point. You have to take the Jodie Whittaker character and have her save the day, sort of, by yeah. saving him at the end. And because even when they do that bit about Moses living on his own and fending for himself as sort of like okay, now you're getting to learn what he's all about. I still don't think that adds to his character that much because that's not I don't know how that is informing his actions or the character you're seeing in the movie because it's not like I like I said I never get the feeling that he's trying to elevate himself inside this uh uh criminal enterprise because he's got nothing. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I don't I don't know how that is responsible for his actions other than it's kind of sad that he is, doesn't have any parents. Well, what do you guys think the aliens represent here? I don't know, apartheid or something? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 that's District 9. Oh, right. Sorry. That's, is that Ron, coming Ron, up? That's, Ron, on, that's on one of the lists. Yeah, that's on my list, I think, anyway. Because <laughs> I think there's a couple lines about what they think these monsters represent, although I, I didn't think it was really a coherent idea about what they were supposed to represent. Like, they're kind of the... In some ways, they're the like hidden dangers of the projects come to life is, mm-hmm. is like what they're supposed to be. But I didn't think that the movie, the movie doesn't have enough scenes of dialogue where that comes across in any way that's subtle or interesting. Like when I, w- yeah. every, every moment I think that this movie could have been about something, he was like, I want to film an action scene on scooters, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> the, you got, you got a lot of well shot action sequences where they're driving through the city it looks great because it's all at night and everything like the light the lighting's done well and it, it looks clean the direction is nice and it's there's a lot of smoke and a lot of mirrors literally sometimes um but whenever there's a chance for the characters to do something it tends to just go into a scooter chase or a, a run sequence or mm-hmm. something like that and I, I i think that that's what i wanted especially as, as i'm coming at this from like the sci-fi list if they're not going to mm-hmm. broach it in a really interesting sci-fi way it becomes a horror movie. And then if I'm like, okay, now this, I'm just going to look at this as a horror movie. I think it's a terrible horror movie. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, ju- yeah. I just bumped down the line and nothing ever particularly satisfying came up out of it. And I, I think maybe it's most effective as a comedy and I don't even think it's particularly funny all the time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I was trying to think about that too, about what the monsters represent. And I mean, I know, I know that we are talking about a, slang slang speaking south london monster movie as though it's fucking you know keats or something mm-hmm. but um i i was i i again i was i kept thinking like what the what do these things represent because i was searching for like what this thing is about and the best i could come up with is they they represent the consequences of uh 
the the life that Moses is leading because that's the moment where he kind of gets his where he kind of turns in the other direction is when he realizes oh I killed this thing I got covered with this stuff and so anybody who came in contact with me and was part of the thing I did is now dead because yep. of me and yeah. you know they have that explicit line about actions have consequences mm-hmm. you know <laughs> lights all around it yeah. don't just brutally um, murder an animal in a shed and expect yeah. to get away yeah. free. and like so that that's what i was like okay so these things are supposed to be like the which is also why it was frustrating that there wasn't more of a um desire for for moses to in uh embed himself more into this lifestyle because when he ends up working for when he ends up working for hi-hat He's not happy about mm-hmm. it. It's not like he's looking to go deal drugs or something. He just gets roped in. You he know, so kind of happy about it though. Oh, is he? Okay, I, maybe I missed it. I, yeah, yeah. I, when, I just, when he yeah, comes, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. When when he first when he comes out of the weed room, <laughs> all of his all of his friends are like, "Hey, why are you smiling? What's that smile for? What's going on?" And then they mm-hmm. realize he's been like bumped up, like as like now he's going to sell. I think he's oh, okay. So maybe or something. Maybe maybe my maybe my interpretation is is uh, ill founded. I think I think it's just that like uh, hard hard man thing of he can't show happiness when I had gives him the job. You know he can't he <laughs> can't relax be like oh thanks man like this is really I appreciate this. He has to go off and act like a hard man and then go out to his friends who all pat him on the back. Mm, yeah. So maybe maybe yeah maybe I'm just reading it wrong and that that is actually what he's after. It's just that he's so stoic about it that it's hard for it to come across. Yeah, maybe yeah. I, I, I like. So w- one thing that does kind of actually I think work for me in in the sort of the scene you guys were just talking about where um, Jodie Whittaker's character goes into his apartment and realizes that he's like you know living on living alone because his uncle's a deadbeat and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I actually found interesting that they do is is when she asks how old are you? Yeah, yeah. And he says, "Oh, I'm 15," because. I remember the first time I watched this movie being pretty shocked by that because he does seem older than his friends. He he does seem like like yeah, he 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 seems older physically and 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 in the way he carries himself and his attitudes and then to kind of realize that he's only 15 and he has like zero adult supervision in his life, it does kind of cast his his motivations a little bit differently where it is sort of like he's so young he's Mm. so young and like impressionable and this is the only thing he's being shown as like well this is what you should do now like Mm -hmm. the only adults in his life are the ones telling him to sell drugs for them Mm. we so um... it did kind of change things a little bit for me i think well you and i we've talked many times before on rotten horror picture show about how we prefer uh less backstory and more backstory through action do you Mm -hmm. think how do you feel about this movie do you think there's not enough for him um or or would you have preferred maybe they give you a little bit more of a background do you Um, think do you think he doesn't they do enough with him in the movie to give you a sense of of the character and his motivations and stuff you know, I, I I don't think they need to give him a more explicit background. I think mm-hmm. just showing kind of the apartment and the state that he's living in and, and 
like the realization of just how young he is covers a lot of those bases. The thing I wish we did at least get somewhat of a glimpse of is some level of insecurity in him. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I would have liked to have seen that because I think it would have maybe kind of given a hint earlier on of just how young he was and maybe the fact that like he's not making these decisions from like a mature and developed standpoint Mm. like he's a kid and he thinks like oh okay this is what you do he is fairly confident through 90 percent of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think i think it would maybe add something or at least complicate his character a little bit to see him like doubt himself or to see him like real really realize that he fucked up and Mm. and like actually have a reaction to that and not just stoically be like okay well i i i'm the one who did this so i'm the one who has to fix it i'm gonna go blow them up Mm -hmm. like (laughs) it would be nice to see him have like somewhat more of an emotional reaction to Mm -hmm. something like that wes yeah i mean i i think the weakness is in the world building around him like if Mm -hmm. if if the world was better around him he would be better as a character because you would at least have a sense of what this character is growing up in. And as I thought, like, I think the world universe in this is kind of a joke in general. So mm. his, his serious struggle doesn't really land with me. Um, I I think like the more traditional thing would just be if he is unhappy with the route, his life is going in the block. Right. And so he gets this job and he doesn't really want to be high hats, his guy, and which goes against what the movie's saying but if he doesn't want this thing but it's the only way that he can really sort of make ends meet and then the alien invasion gives him a sense that he's better than that like he can mm-hmm. that there's something else to sort of do in a roundabout way i, mm. I feel like that's that's kind of where his character should sit and i i don't think he's there that also seems a little bit generic to me so i'd be more excited if someone with a better idea came along and improved that but i i just feel he's missing that sort of central tension that would make him an interesting character mm. and react to the aliens in a way that I go, oh, that's why he cares about this stuff. Mm. Uh, speaking of world building, how do you guys feel about the block itself? I, I found it to be surprisingly empty for how big yeah. it is. I feel, I feel like they run through 37 buildings and it's all the same building over the course. It's yeah. Like, yeah. And nobody's there. Yeah, Nobody yeah. like... They're setting off firecrackers in the hallway and there's a guy shooting his gun down the hallway and like <laughs> nobody calls the cops sooner. Nobody kind of cracks the door open. Nobody screams from inside of one of the apartments. Like there's there's this nice like uh, there's this nice slash funny moment at the end where after he blows up the guy, the final batch of monsters, everybody else seems to be outside with the cops and stuff around as though. As this has been going on, they've bar- they've been very slowly, quietly leaving the building. Right, the fire alarms and, been going <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, it's like the only time you see a crowd of people that you could assume probably live in this building. But they keep every time like they're blowing up windows. Uh, mm-hmm. Multiple people have been murdered in the hallways, and nobody opens their door it's just dead hallways where this stuff is happening well that's the that's the thing because i would find that if this is supposed to be a bad area i can believe that you know like i can believe there's the whole thing about like in the projects the crimes go because no one will say anything about like Mm -hmm. what has happened in it so i can see a kind of like yeah gunshots go off and stuff and my neighbors can't help me because we're all locked inside because everyone's just going to mind their own business the problem is that the kids are set up sort of clownish so the kids exist in this 
very dark, serious world where I could see this universe and this building taking on this kind of horror aspect to it mm-hmm. while being realistic. But the kids are so jokey and sort of cartoony on top of it. And hi-hats comes in out of nowhere. And then Br- Brewis or whatever. <laughs> and it, it just it doesn't mesh with the horror aspect that they're trying to build around what this project environment is supposed to be. Mm. Mm. yeah and and even even if you want to go the sort of route of okay this is a bad area there's lots of violence and crime and people do just kind of lock their doors and bury their heads in the sand for their own self-preservation like you're still gonna sometimes have somebody else coming in from work because they work the night shift or you know, even if it's just the sound of a TV on or somebody people drinking you know, on the stairs, somebody... like you know, it does. It's just, yeah, it's just yeah. people usually doing stuff in any world, and there's none of that in this. It, yeah. In a in a building with 19 floors and however many apartments on each floor, you're you're just gonna have some sort of background noise or something going on, and and this place is like completely dead and empty. I. I always think of one of my, I, I don't know if you could call this world building, but I consider it kind of world building. One of my favorite pieces of world building from a movie like this is in Ghostbusters, where um, the terror dog shows up at Lewis's party he's throwing and then smashes out into the hallway. And this woman who lives next door, casually, this old woman, opens the door, leans out and goes, huh, and just goes back into her room. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, it's just the acknowledgement that there's other people in the building. Not that they don't acknowledge it, because you yeah. do, you know, uh, the, the girls seem to also live there as well. Nick Frost um, lives there. Nick Frost, yes. Uh, the patron saint of mid to low budget genre. Yep. Uh, Nick Frost British, is in the British movie. genre. British genre, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just surprisingly dead in the hallways when all of this other stuff is going on it's also guy fox night right yeah so i don't know what they do they must celebrate that somehow is it fireworks i think that's what the fireworks fireworks? are all about so is everyone out of the building because they're watching the fireworks i don't i don't know i don't i don't think we ever get get (laughs) uh, it doesn't seem like it yeah they don't they don't really mention it yeah yeah when the boys all go to their houses like they all have family members at home. Yes, everyone's mm-hmm. home. Yeah. And I mean Right. So it at minimum I, it's like, you know, his nana is there like <laughs> Come on. I do think I do think that the actual answer is give them a break. It's a low budget movie they could only afford yeah. like yeah. 15 eight, eight, people. 8 million pounds. I think yeah. that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, obviously yes, we're we're asking questions that would be solved by more money, absolutely. Well, I, I, I actually I was just going to say, um, yeah, go ahead, sorry. there were 15 pages of the script that had to be cut out because for budgetary reasons. So oh, were there? Yeah. So I'm, I don't know if that was more world building stuff or monsters or what. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's a, you, sh- you aimed for the lo- wrong location kind of thing. Maybe, I mean, this is his directorial debut and writing debut, I think for film anyway, but, uh, I guess this is kind of an awkward jump, but do you guys think this is a horror movie? Um, I I mean I don't think it's not if you're using a fairly broad, uh, painting a b- broad brush because it's it's more of a I don't know, I I feel like you and I are gonna have, might have opposing viewpoints where you think it's more of a horror movie and I think it's more of a sci-fi movie. No, I think this <laughs> is more of a sci-fi movie. But I I was okay. I was gonna say I think American Psycho is more of a horror movie than this is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I agree. 
I think yeah. this literally this... only has three jump scares, and that's what defines it as a horror movie. Well, I mean, I I do think that the monsters, and I, I did want to get your guys' opinion about the the aliens. Uh, I do think the the aliens are are pretty convincingly scary. Uh, I that first shot of them, or or not not just the first shot, but the multiple times that they use this gag where their teeth double as their eyes, which yeah. I love, is yeah. is very cool. Mm. Um, I really like the yeah. female that they kill at the start. I think that's yeah, the clever. weird little yeah. goblin thing. <laughs> Just dragging it around on a backpack, like dragging yeah. it. Behind. Yeah, wearing it like a backpack. <laughs> but yeah, how, how do you how do you guys feel about the about the aliens, the design and and the use and stuff? You go ahead, Amanda. Oh, I I mean, I I think they're really, I think they're really well done. I really like the simplicity of it, where it's just this sort of like void blackness, and then the glowing teeth. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's really effective. I, I think it's really visually, like, has a lot of impact. Um, but I don't know. They're sort of... I feel like the second time watching it through, I was less scared of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a kid on a bicycle outran them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I was a little bit like, hmm... Which is, I think, part of the reason why I lean, I lean more towards this being a sci-fi movie as well, because I think the central thing that's so frightening about them is that they are aliens and you don't know what they want, why they're here, why they're attacking, or how mm-hmm. to stop them. It's less that they themselves are so terror-inducing the minute you see them. I mean, they're right. scary, but they're not, like, you know, that level yet. Well, the thing that I actually really appreciate is that they don't pull any punches as far as these things and and their uh their danger level because i think mm-hmm. very easily this movie gets made by someone else who says well i mean we can't have these things killing kids and yeah. these things <laughs> fucking true. kill kids with no problem and i think that goes a long way to to upping the stakes that it's this isn't just this isn't uh, this isn't stranger things where you're kind of like eh, yeah they're all gonna be fine it, this is yeah. these things are killing your cast members, and they are pretty explicitly uh, violent. I think my yeah. I think my problem with them, as both a sci-fi and horror concept, is that they don't really seem to have a superpower besides being dark black. You know, sure. like they, like an alien, the alien can move everywhere, and you never know where it is, right? And mm-hmm. so that's kind of its superpower. These things are just guys in gorilla suits that kind of chase after you. And (laughs) like it doesn't have the Langolier thing about like chewing up time or anything interesting. It doesn't have a kind of uh, quiet place thing where you can't make a sound and they hear you. Mm -hmm. They just kind of chase you. And you if you lock the door behind them, you kind of fuck them over like they unless there's a window (laughs) that they can get through. They can't really get to you. So I just thought that their design was neat, but they don't have like this um, core power that is scary or something that you would want to guard against. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I think, I think they are more, more of a, of a unique and clever design than they are a good monster. Like I, I was thinking about this for a while as, as I was watching this, like this is kind of like the South London version of Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Where you're following a, it's a it's a holiday. Stuff falls from the sky, and then mm. you've got these aliens that that uh, cause havoc, while fairly rudimentary uh, 
character work is being done underneath it, and you get like a a good sense of of the the environment that they're in. I, um, I thought they're, would, they're I thought the the fact that they're so dark you can't see them. How black is how black are they? And someone should say there there can be none more black or something. But like yes. the, <laughs> they they don't. Um, I thought that was going to be more central to them. And all they really do is that they do a couple bits of you can see them and you can't see them in the shadows, but you can see their teeth coming at you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I just thought there was like it's just going back to the metaphor about the movie, what the movie's supposed to be like. You could see a thing where they're like the monsters in the projects are invisible because no one can see the problems in the projects kind of a theme. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think they really do that because everyone can see them once they bust out of the shadows immediately it's not like they hide in darkness and you can't see them until it's too late or something like that mm. I, I just would have gone in that direction with it or made it more more um more like a, a quiet place except you just can't see them instead of not hear them or something but they, they wanted yeah. to do the gorilla suits i guess for whatever reason. I, I guess there's also the white supremacist reading of this movie where you're like well the monsters there represent their literal blackness yeah they're Right, and they're gorillas yeah. too. Like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. Well, they, I, I <laughs> what did their teeth represent? Or maybe like <laughs> accidental, but <laughs> all those shiny grills people be getting these days with their, their glowing yeah. teeth. Oh my god! I don't, but I, I think that's the clumsiness of it because I I don't think you should be drawing that conclusion from it. Right. Like so, I, I think it just goes back to the there's a kind of clumsiness or lack of thought about what this movie is supposed to be about and i think it hinders it in pretty much any regard yeah i i do i do think we need to find one of these um a a movie like this how do i say this that we are we are more positive on because i was looking back at the movies we've covered for rotten horror picture show and the ones Mm -hmm. that we haven't really liked so far tend to be the we're like this one Candyman. A girl walks home alone at night, and I'm like, I'm sensing a pattern here that I do not. Like. Well, you need you need Get Out to come <laughs> along because That's Get Out true. is actually oh, yes. kind of brilliant. Yeah, yeah. L- liking liking Get Out is the green book of movie criticism. How's, <laughs> criticism. <laughs> How's that for layers upon layers of? Well, I mean, just to clarify for anyone, the reason the reason Get Out excels for me is because when I was watching it, I was like, I've never seen a portrayal of racism this way yes. like this is a very yeah. clever portrayal and it's the mm. opposite of green book which is just the magical negro and vigo mortensen hang out in a car together right um, right get out is way more of a interesting sci-fi concept in that way um mm. like it's it's very clever and attack the block to me is just more of the generic sense of like this is how you do a movie like this and this is how you touch on these topics and I, I just find the topics and the understanding of it to be so naive as to be like silly kind of. And mm. if the horror or sci-fi aspect isn't going to carry it through that weak theme, the movie is going to flounder. And I think that's what happens here. Mm. Well, also remind me the director and writer of this is white. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that also is, is a big problem where it's like, you know, this is a movie created by, white people about an experience that they cannot actually inhabit whereas mm-hmm. get out is created by right you know a black writer and director uh, there's white right. kids in the gang you can be poor and white and living in the there, there's no, no, white kids I, who are desperately given, trying to be black <laughs> well yeah and just like given given the the thematic concerns we've talked about with this movie where it is 
very at times very heavy-handed about the racial issues i i think that's part of why the bigger themes versus the actual action of the movie kind of there's that disconnect and it doesn't quite work yeah he chose the wrong target which is the strange thing Mm -hmm. like if you're if you're going to do this and you don't he's he's and as clay was saying he's going to like oh let me go shimmy downtown to you know downtown (laughs) london at 2 a.m and see if i get mugged (laughs) is my experience for the script Hello, fellow youths. Hello, hello youths. He, he, in the in the in the IMDb trivia thing, it said that he got mugged, and then he uh, researched the movie by learning more about the lives of the kids that mugged him. Sure. I don't know if it means literally, but in my head, I'm imagining him going and knocking on a door, and being like, "Hi, you might remember me. You stole my wallet last night. Is it possible I could just like shadow you and see what you're all about?" Well, there's this. Um, I'm also probably kind of biased against this because there's this. Uh, podcast series that npr was doing that came out in like 92 or something and it won a peabody when it came out and it was made by two like 14 year olds who lived in a what a very bad project in chicago before they were all demolished and what spurred it was they went around and interviewed people in their neighborhood after there was this very famous case of in their project housing a five-year-old was dropped out of a window by two 10-year-olds and killed. Oh, jeez. And so oh, God. The, the podcast is about sort of like going around and seeing what the state of their neighborhood is and like what how people are responding to that and like what kind of, what kind of situation results in that kind of a thing. And the follow-up is just like, as your point, Clay, where he, this Cornish guy goes down and like wants to meet the lives of these kids. The, the heartbreaking thing about their take on it is much more realistic, but it's just like when you talk to the kids who drop the kid out the window, you're just like, these kids are just gone at this. Like, mm-hmm. you can't you can't save these kids at this point. Like, this has been too damaging for them as an environment. And I think the clownishness of it is just such a disconnect from like what you're what you're trying to say with this setting. And I, I mm-hmm. know that they're trying to be lighthearted about it, but it's like. I think it's just the wrong uh, like environment for the movie at that point, especially if you're going to have hi hats and stuff in there and things like that. It just it just feels very it's missing the mark. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was what they needed was they need to replace hi hat with Stringer Bell. Exactly. I would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, even if it was a sort of comic role there, someone who could be intimidating at times. Yeah. You know, I think that's what they need there. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, as we're wrapping up, uh, we may as well compa- we may as well talk about its placement on both lists that it's on. Number, what'd you say it was? One hundred? What on one hundred five on the one hundred fifty sci-fi? Yeah. How do you how do you feel about that placement on the hundred and fifty greatest sci-fi films of all time? Too high. It shouldn't be on the list at all. Okay. No. Yeah, uh, that's that's what's interesting because when we talk about these lists. It's when I start thinking about what does and doesn't belong in the list, I'm like, well, I mean, 200 movies or 150 movies. Could I name 150 like great sci-fi movies? And then you read the list and you go, yes, 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 yes. But then you get to some and you're like, eh, I think there's a couple on here that are better than that one. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't say. I'm operating with the assumption if I haven't seen some of these movies, I would assume that anything around it is better than this movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in terms of yeah, a sci-fi yeah. list. So for for instance, this is right around Upgrade, Star Trek First Contact, The World's End, mm-hmm. Serenity, Paprika. Interesting. Liquid Sky. I think all I think all of those are better. Sunshine, I think all of those are better than this one. 
Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this one is like I said at the beginning, I think it gets by mostly on the novelty of the setting than it does and and the monsters than it does anything else. What do you think, Amanda? Um, in terms of the placement on the horror movie list too? This is at ninety on the horror list, right? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy as far to me. As, yeah. It wouldn't be on my horror as, list either. Yeah. Yeah, as no. far as uh, a rotten horror list goes, yeah, I it's um I don't think that I again I think it's 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 notable for its novelty, but yeah, I, I don't know if I would put this let's put it this way. Black Christmas was one ninety nine and this is ninety. I would it, at the very least switch those places in a heartbeat. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, I mean I so I don't have I personally don't really see this as a horror movie. I probably wouldn't be mad at somebody who tried to make the argument to me that it is. Mm -hmm. I'd probably be like, well, okay, we just, whatever, we have a different criteria. Um, So I'm not like uh, like deeply offended that this is on this list at all. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it should be like somewhere between like 190 and 200 if it's going to be on here at all. Mm. The fact that it's number 90 on the horror movie list and like... The Shining is what, like 105 or something? The Shining, as of my last checkup, is currently at 113. <sighs> so I, just to I give just... you an idea of what's near this, we've got uh, the f- four below it are Theater of Blood, Halloween 2018, Let Me In, and Color Out of Space. And the four above it are Eraserhead, that's an interesting inclusion. Mm. Eraserhead, Devil's huh. Backbone, Housebound, and We Are Still Here. So it's a really weird place, actually, for the list because there's, yeah, we're in like the real kind of. Uh, it's the the four hundreds in the Rolling Stone top five hundred albums where the the four hundreds where it's interesting. <laughs> and you're like, huh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's got a higher placement than Texas Chainsaw, Wicker Man. No. Uh, Twenty eight days later. My argument would Blair be Witch it's not Project. a horror movie. That would be I would just say this is not a horror movie, and so it doesn't belong yeah. on the horror movie list. Yeah, it's like, well, it's scary. It's like, well, I mean, E. T. is scary. You know? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> scary. I find E. T. scarier than, than this. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I, I don't know. Like I, I think yeah. if it's gotta be on the list, if if we can't remove it completely, I would say put it way, way lower. Yeah. Well, uh I think that's gonna do it. Unless you guys had something else you guys wanted to wrap up with for for this, um, no, I just I mean I my final thing it. is I thought this movie was fine. It's just yeah. it's one of those fine movies that is really, uh, it doesn't have anything that I'm going to really remember about this. It's just it's like mm. that's fine. I, I I'm not upset that I watched it. I wasn't really bored while while watching it. But once it's over, it's like it's just one of those. You know, it's you kind of like, well, I'm glad I didn't pay to see that in the theater kind of thing. It's like, I'm yeah. glad that was, you know, I, we bought it with the Patreon money, which I guess is its own kind of version of that. But it, it's not <laughs> it's not something that I felt was um, worth worthwhile, I guess, and, which sounds harsh, but it's it's really not. Amanda, final thoughts? Yeah, kind of going along with what what Wes just said. This is a movie where it, it like if somebody came to me and told me that this was one of their favorite movies, I would be very confused. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like I, 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 I don't dislike it. I actually, like I said, I, I enjoyed it more watching it the second time through where I think I could give a little more space to sort of the, the more toss away humorous moments. Um, but yeah, it just, it doesn't leave enough of an impact and it tries to do, it tries to do too much in my opinion and, and spreads itself too thin and then doesn't do any of the things it tries to do as well as I think it could. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun and I do think the caveat to what you're saying about not understanding why some would say it's their favorite movie is I would understand it if we were roughly 10 years in the future and this was a 23 year old telling me they watched it when they were 13 because oh okay it feels like that kind of movie where watching it as you know a jaded older person at this point it's like yeah it's fun it's a fun time but it's not you know doing anything it's not revolutionary in any way that's really affecting me but if i was 13 or maybe you know and between from like south london yeah uh, if I was like 11 to 13 and saw this, I feel like it has potential to be one of those movies where you see it when you're young and it just makes it's your f- might be maybe it's your first entry into uh, genre type movies, horror, sci-fi stuff. And it's about kids like it's got a Goonies kind of feel to mm. it that I think it could stick with a younger audience um, in a similar way. Well, but with the, I guess with the, if you're from South London or whatever and you're watching this, uh, Amy was watching The Town in bed last night on the ipad and i was just kind of like listening along <laughs> i imagine a similar thing where uh, like i watched the town just... and it's been Affleck like just going like hey 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 sit the fuck down <laughs> hey hey and it's just like no one no one really talks like that in boston anymore yeah you know what i mean yeah. so i know it's supposed to be kind of a, a period piece or whatever but it's i wonder if the the south london things comes across the same way where it's like it's this heightened <laughs> stylized choice that they're making and is not really realistic with with that in mind, I I have to, I do have to say I would like to go on record and say the most accurate depiction of Boston that I have ever seen is the SNL Dunkin' Donuts commercial with Casey yeah. Affleck yes. as the yeah. guy who hangs out at Dunkin' Donuts. That's a true Boston accent, I would say. Yes. Yeah, it's yep. true accent, and everything he says is on point. The way he's dressed, yep. cut like your fucking I, fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> The, the the part that I can't get over in that is that at the end when he goes, you know, I think being at Duncan's is my the best part of my day. Is that sad? And then the other guy goes, yes. And he just turns to his friend, <laughs> takes his cup of coffee, and just very calmly throws it at the windshield of the guy's yep. car. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that would be that's my only. Um, yeah, that's that's my only thing about the South London point. I wonder. We need our British listeners to tell us whether or not this is like something uh, legitimate or not. You know. Yes. Yes. Please yeah. do. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for uh, attack the block. Wes, you want to take us out with any Patreon sure. paperwork we have to cover? Well, there is a generic Patreon for all the shows that fall under this umbrella, and so Rotten Horror Picture Show is one of those. And you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ThePenskyFile if you want to support the show and the Star Trek show and Badass and everything else. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is. And I would like to say, I don't know if we've officially talked about this, Manda, but I'm going to let you know now. Um, Okay. As of January 2021, we will, Manda and I will be starting our coverage of Mm. um, Friday the 13th, that series for Patreon. 
So that'll so pro- you got that to look forward to. That'll probably go in at the five dollar tier. So if you're interested in catching all of those Friday the Thirteenth movies, that none of them are on the list, so they're going to just go straight through them all on Patreon once a month. You can join Patreon.com/slash The Penske File. And as always, a special thank you goes to our Captain Tier supporters: Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Meg Burnett, Matthew Ross, Andrew Cholog, Cardinal Doomsday, Nathan Elliott, Samuel Custer, Matt Cullert, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Christian Pouch, Gradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Chris Tinsley, Darth Mosk, Kevin Race, Jordan Cooper, Vault 13 Heroes, Rune Venler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Nick the Rat, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Poindexter G, Groppler, John Zorn, Mike Harris, Eric Antoine, Kevin Lowry, Captain Brazen, Jake Gamer, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, and Olivier Partdeux. Thank you very much for supporting the show, have guys. To get, have to get Dave Davies' opinion on this being from the kinks. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least five British people on this list, so I'm, I'm looking to them to tell us uh, what the opinion is. I, I would be so thrilled if, if any, any of them would would contribute to this debate like how just how authentic just get a lot of just expect a lot of you want mates uh coming at you via twitter is basically (laughs) the thing that i would expect from it you can tell which ones are british because they have use in their name where we would not usually if you you. when this when this thing posts if you listen quietly you'll hear a whole bunch of teacups hitting a saucer or (laughs) faintly in the background (laughs) and then you'll get a response on twitter a few seconds later actually I, i don't know if the people who listen in the united states know this but in Europe and Britain specifically, the name of our show is What's All This Then? with Jess and Clay. <laughs> Just to try and bridge that gap there. In it. In it, true. In it, true. <laughs> All right, loves. Thanks, bruv. Thanks, love. Thanks, thank, bruvs. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next month with some more Patreon content and some. Uh, Kiki ki ma 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 for you stabby stabby lovers out there. <laughs> See you guys. All right, thanks guys. Very nice. Bye.